I'm Rose Skeeters, host of From Borderline to Beautiful, a show about hope and recovery for BPD. Hello and welcome to another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. Today I'm interviewing Alicia. She is a mindset coaching client that is well on her way in the recovery process and she wanted to share her story with you guys to kick off Borderline Personality Disorder Awareness Month. The beginning of the audio, we had some technical difficulties, so there are some parts that are choppy, and I wanted to fill in the blanks for you guys before I pressed play on the interview. And one of the things we talked about at the beginning of um, the conversation was that Alicia has created this new Phoenix logo that you see on the From Borderline to Beautiful um, podcast image, as well as on the logo and the merchandise that we have on the website. So we just wanted to give a big shout out and thank you to Alicia for bringing her creativity and just her beautiful spirit to the BPD community. So I hope you enjoy this podcast and I hope you enjoy her story and we'll see you next week for another recovery story. So maybe you can start by telling um, the audience just a little bit about you and your journey and how you came to have BPD. Um, well, I officially got diagnosed last summer, but honestly, I've known I've I've I know deep down I've always had it. Like definitely, um, I had my ex mention it before, and I was like what? I don't know what this is. I'm not, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not crazy. But, um, last year he mentioned how much I've hurt him and how frankly tyrannical I was and how bad my behavior was. And it resonated deep down with me. Um, and I, I know like that, that's not me. Like I, I can't hurt, I can't hurt the people I love and I can't hurt the people I care about because I thought I was this big caring person who always put other people or who always cared about everyone and would never hurt anyone, which wasn't true. Like that, that wasn't me. That's how I perceived myself, but that was not me at all. Um, and so I started researching more about it, learning more about it. And it, it hit me. I was like, okay, now I have, I have a problem with how I'm acting. Like, I'm, I'm acting like a child. I need to stop. And so I went home last summer. I'm, I'm from Utah. I live in California. Um, I went home and got diagnosed. I Well, I went to the doctor, and I was like, hey, I have BPD, and here's what. And they're like, oh, okay, just because, you know, people don't think BPD exists. Like, yeah. people, it's, it's so stereotypical stereotyped and I was I was one of those people who did um was and it so, a, was it a physician or was it a psychiatrist that you went to you remember I think, it, I think it was just a family doctor yeah 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 and it definitely in Utah mental health is nothing like they it's not important um and so I, I just told them how it was I was like I have this here's why like I don't care what you say I know I know I know I have it and I know I need to change. Um, and that's, that's how I got diagnosed. And after that, 
I ended up finding your podcast and started talking to you and was like, you know what? I, I definitely need a change because there's something wrong with how I'm acting and I can't go through life acting this way. Absolutely. So the first thing that you have to do is take full responsibility for the behaviors that you're engaging in. Now, when he told you that you had BPD the first, like when he first told you, were you like, yeah, okay, I have this, I'm going to go get help? Or did it take some time? Were you resistant to it? Because it sounds like you really like embraced it and wanted to fix it. But was it that? Um, no, the, the first time it happened, it was probably a year prior to me actually realizing I have it. It was it was during the thrills, um, and I thought I thought he said it to hurt me. I I thought it was just a oh you have BPD like you're crazy you need to you know just because it was like it was in the middle of the thrills like we weren't we weren't fighting but I was oh I was elevated I I remember exactly what was happening when he was telling me like I was elevated my behavior was tyrannical. Like, I, I just, I was, well, super beefy. I was splitting. Um, and I was in denial about it. And my mental health got worse through that year until I finally came to terms with it. My depression got so bad, um, I actually ended up moving from Utah to California to change culture to help better my mental health and for other reasons. Um, but it, yeah, it was not, it was not something I came to terms with at all until he told me how hurtful I was. Cause I didn't believe it. I didn't see it. Yeah, that's really hard. It was really, it's awesome that you're able to finally at some point, like accept it. What was your breaking point? Was that like your rock bottom? Yeah. Um, it, it definitely, well, our bottom was a couple months last year because of Corona. I lost my job. Um, my mental health was deteriorating a lot. My self-confidence was lacking. And it, it was to a point where, because me, me and my ex were still dating at the time, where it, it was either I get better or we're done. And so... I was like, okay, I need, I need a change. I have to do something because I don't want to lose the love of my life at the time. I, I can't do that. Oh, I couldn't handle that. It's too much for me. And so oh, I, that's when I actually found your podcast and I started working with you and I started to start my recovery journey, but it wasn't, it was not for myself. It was, it was for him and it was to, prove I could be a functioning adult. Yeah. That's okay because you, when you started off, you had started off doing that for that as, as your purpose, right? Like that was your original motivation for doing it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it's, definitely shifted because you're talking about him as your ex. So we have some things, some kind of update. So what was it like for you in terms of starting treatment? And what are some of the biggest things that you had to accept about yourself or the hardest things that you had to accept about yourself? And oh, it was it was honestly rough because I've never you're the first person that's ever been honest to me, um, and I, I've never had that before. So, oh, especially during the beginnings when I when I'd go off and, and be well splitting 
and he'd be like, no, you're, you're, you're acting like a child. I, I remember getting so mad and just like, she doesn't know. She doesn't know what it feels like. I was like, wait, no, Rose has been through it. She knows. Um, there's been, there's been times where I've, I've wanted to just stop with recovery and stop talking to you because I felt like it was too hard. And there's been times where I felt like you're attacking me for telling me how it was. And I know that was my BPD mindset at the time. It's like, you know that I was telling you the truth. So you knew that it was, I wasn't like trying to hurt you, but at the same time you knew it hurt. And you knew that no one else was pushing you to do it differently. But you did it anyway, though, right? Oh, yes, yes, I did. Yeah. A lot of a lot of tears. Yeah. Why do you think you kept going with it, even in those spaces? What was the thing that propelled you forward? I, I fell in love with it. Honestly, I fell in love I fell in love with recovery. I took a dive into mental health and actually I I didn't know what I wanted to be when I got older, when we started recovery. And now I know I want to, I want to, I want to help others. I want to be a therapist and help people with mental health. Um, that's definitely helping others of helping others and myself mainly have been the biggest factor because I know I need to be stable enough to be the best version of myself. And I know I'm not all the negative and intrusive thoughts. But I used to think I know I'm, you know, I, I can be much more than my BPD. I wasn't an honest person myself and 
how I communicated wasn't honest. I, I definitely, I definitely did not communicate honest and I didn't have hard conversations. I, I avoided anything hard in life, honestly, just cause it was, it was too much and I couldn't handle it. But now, now I have hard conversations and they're still, oh, they're, they're still overwhelming and they're still rough and I have to, I have to practice them so much before I can even have the conversation, but it's, it's possible. It's so possible. <laughs> what motivated you to keep going when it got hard? Um, well, I, I got a dog the, the day, the day me and my ex broke up. I was in the thrills. I was very impulsive. I've always, I've always wanted a dog. I've always wanted a, an emotional support animal because dogs, dogs know, dogs know your energy. Oh, they yeah. know when they're sad. Oh my gosh, they know. And I, I, I went and picked her up. I didn't plan on getting her. I went to just go look at her, and as soon as I held her, I fell in love with her, and I took her home. I I remember telling you, and you were like, mm, I don't know if this is a good idea. It's so very impulsive. <laughs> even my roommates were like, what? You're coming home with a dog? That, like, but it was, it was one of the best impulsive decisions I've ever made, because now it's been, my recovery journey has been me, and Katara and me bettering myself for her because she is another living being I have to take care of and I have to be mentally stable enough to take care of. I can't be under my blankets for days on end like I used to be. I, I have to be functioning and I have to be a member of society for for my for my baby. Absolutely. And we made that into your hobby, right? So once we got past oh, yeah. this decision, I was like, all right, this is what we got to do. You have to train her. You have to learn how to train this dog. And for the most part, <clears throat> he, she's pretty great, right? So she's older oh, now. Yeah. She's not even really that tiny anymore. Yeah, she's, I think she's like nine months now. Yeah. Oh, well, she's, yeah, she's getting old. And it, it's, it definitely became my hobby. Yeah. And you've helped me so much with it. <laughs> but, I know there's been times where I've struggled and my insecurities have gotten the better of me and I've cried about being a bad dog mom and I know like I've, I've cried to you about it and you're like no like as long as you try your best as long as you try hard that's that's all that matters and as long as you're there for her yeah. I was like okay I, I know even if I'm cause sometimes I feel like I'm too aggressive and then I'm gonna hurt her but that's also me being too compassionate and because we all we all need the stability we all need the well the truth we all we all need that in our life even you know animals we can't be all sunshine and rainbows even to like our kids our animals anything because that adds to mental illness that adds to things the avoidance of emotions absolutely and honestly i think for you well i was saying this before we got on we started recording right oh my gosh that you're 23 almost 23 so when i met you you were a lot younger and it's important you know there are a lot of people out there that listen to the podcast that are your age and they need that kind of hope because on one hand 
you know, you're not quite an adult yet, right? Like you're living on your own, sure, but you've had all this trauma that contributed to some of the things that you're going through, right? Like the just not wanting to be vulnerable and kind of being dishonest because you're just trying to get your your self validated in the world. And so when I first met you, that was a lot of where you were coming from is like just trying to figure this whole thing called life out. So now like a lot of the stuff I'm helping you with is just figuring is like recognizing that being 22, 23 years old comes with this whole other set of challenges that are just completely acceptable things in like the grand scheme of life. We have to go through these trials, but because you've done all this great recovery work, you're able to really get through that and take this hyperbolic temperament and you're starting to learn how to make it into a superpower, like wanting to be this caretaker of wounded things. You can do that with Katara because she needs that so that's like a way that you've taken your bpd and make it made it into a superpower or going to school for psychology right because now well, you're going to yes. help people yes and i i love I, I love being there and helping people and it's definitely has helped my recovery because i get i get people like even people i don't talk to that message me and they're like thank you so much for sharing your struggles sharing like just being honest about things because I I'll I'll talk about my depression I'll talk about my trauma my BPD on social media because I like there's not there's not enough people talking about it there's not enough awareness about it and there, there needs to be if, if we don't talk about it nobody else will and it's been uh, I actually love <laughs> It's a huge compliment, honestly, when people tell me that. Like, even people at work will be like, you're just so positive, and I love being around you. Like, your energy is amazing. And that was not that was not me. Not me at all a year ago. I was so bitter and negative and just how my abusers were. Like, I, I, was, I was my abusers. I turned into the people who abused me in... I'm very happy I recognize that, and I'm not that anymore. Your perspective and just your lifestyle has completely shifted. You know, and obviously, like you were saying before, it's not like life is perfect now, but life is different. So you have this new way of looking at things. You don't have to really be tyrannical. You don't have to do things like that because you trust yourself. You've been honest with yourself, right? Yeah, and now when I hit uh, like wall blocks or blockage in my journey, I think, well, hey, this isn't like, this isn't going to matter three months from now. Like this sucks right now, but I'm going to get past it. I'm going to overcome this. I'm going, I'm, I'm able to, I know I can, I know it's so possible. When a year ago, it would have felt like the end of the world. A lot of things would have felt the end of the world. I would have been suicidal. I would have hurt myself for these things that I'm dealing with now because I know that things get better. Even if it doesn't seem like it at the time, even if I'm bawling my eyes out mm-hmm. on the phone to you, I know things are going to get better. <laughs> yep, they always do. And you, excuse me, you've worked really hard to get to that point where, you know, things do get better and you you've understood that do you remember like the first time where you realized that you got through something hard and you could keep going but I think a lot of people out there they need that 
that one step. So they know every, we all know it's hard, right? And you knew it was hard. And um, I think a lot of people also know the things I'm saying are some of them are hard to swallow, right? So the truth is hard. But once you're in this position where you've got the hard stuff and it's you want to quit, what are some how steps that you just advice that you have for people to, to keep going? Well, part of me, like, I, I, I used to be too scared to do things. And now I realize what's the worst that's going to happen? What's the worst that's going to happen? Them saying no. Right. You not get it? Okay. Move to something else. Find something else that's mm-hmm. going to, like, it, the job. Oh, I, I didn't mention it to my boss. I didn't tell anyone I wanted it until finally I was like, you know what? What's the worst that's going to happen? Me not get a promotion? Okay. I'm going to be at the same position I'm at now. So I, I I would say if you're too scared to try, do it because the worst thing that's going to happen is you say no and you have to find something else. Um, that's really yeah. good advice. That's really good advice. So essentially just being like you have nothing else to lose. And that really requires that perspective shift from being like energy draining and pessimistic and jaded to being optimistic because that's what you're describing. You're essentially saying, look, if it's hard, sure, but what other option do you have? None. What else do you have to lose? You just stay in the same spot. But if you try and you step out of your comfort zone, then there's a possibility that it could get better. Like you asking for that job, right? Yeah. And I I realized I just didn't want to. I didn't want to live my life in pessimistic, depressed state, just remembering how sad and lonely I was, because that's that's how it was. That's how my tyrannical behavior was. I pushed everyone away. I was so scared of abandonment. I pushed everybody away, and I caused the abandonment myself. Yeah. Yeah, it's really hard. And then to be in this space, I mean, you got... You know, it's important that everybody knows, Alicia, that not only did you like get a job and you're going to school, but like you've gotten positive feedback from your parents. You got a puppy. You got through a breakup and you also still live under the same roof as the individual that you broke up with. That yes, is something I, that people I, need I to love hear. My ex. <laughs> yeah. And you're doing it like I'm blown away by that because that's a really hard thing to do. This was your favorite person. Oh yeah. It's, it's the person who I put on a pedestal who I didn't compare to a God, but oh, was very close. Mm-hmm. And I still like, we're still, there's no hard feelings. Like we're still close, but it's not always oh, definitely not easy when I've been, when we were together for years and they they were my favorite person they were they were my everything like they were my identity i did not know who i was until a couple months ago i just started working on my identity because i you know <laughs> become other people's identities i don't i didn't know who i was cuz i was so lost and it's definitely oh it's it's not easy living with your ex the person that you thought you were going to grow old with is not easy at all, but it's, it's possible. It is not the end of the world. You don't have to 
break up and have hate in your heart. You can break up mutually. You can understand that you guys have differences and that everybody has trauma that they're dealing with. And sometimes people do not click. He has actually mentioned how we work better <laughs> as friends <laughs> than dating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Because I'm healthy. I'm not so absorbed and so insecure by every little thing that he's doing because I was. I would wait by the phone or I would stay up because I was so involved in him. I was not living my life and I was not living my or I was not living how I wanted to. And I didn't realize that until, you know, I didn't have a choice until we were over. And it, it was hard. I I was so caught up in winning him back and improving my recovery because I was like, oh, well, it's it's over, but we're living together. There's, there's still a possibility. And I admit I was given hope that, you know, mm -hmm. if I recovered enough or if I was stable enough that we would get back together. But finally, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to recover for anybody but myself. Yeah because I am falling in love with the person I am becoming. I am falling in love with the hobbies I'm learning, the, the knowledge I'm, you know, partaking in. Yeah. I realize I can't, I, I can't, you know, be so caught up in other people besides myself. And it's definitely, you know, it's, it's not hard. There's still times where I feel lonely. And especially living with my ex, yeah. like how how easy it would be just to you know walk down the hall, cuddle up, and just be my old self. Where those and, boundaries? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Because I didn't know boundaries. I've never known boundaries until recently, <laughs> and I still struggle definitely with boundaries. But it's all it's all a work in progress. Remember the moment where you were like, you know what, Rose? I don't. I was like, oh, are you, are you still in love with him? And you're like, you know what, Rose? I, I don't actually know if I can be with someone unless they work on themselves. Because I think that I'm doing pretty good. And you're like hesitant, but you're basically like able to see that maybe you were looking at the situation with rose-colored glasses. So you're able to avoid a lot of pain from that, right? Yeah, because I, I realized like. I don't want to be with somebody who's not going to better themselves, who's not going to deal with their trauma, who's not going to be on the same wavelength that I am. Because if if you're in that relationship, one of you is going to bring the other person down and you're both going to be stuck. You're both not going to be bettering yourself. And it's you, you can't do that. You cannot do that. You have to be with somebody who's going to make you the best version of yourself. And that I know, I know that's, I know what's going to happen and I know I don't need it right now. I have been dating myself, taking myself on dates and treating myself how, you know, I would have liked to be treated in the relationship or my past relationships because our, like, we had a great relationship. He's a wonderful person and I love him so much. Like, he's my best friend, but that's that's how he is. He's he's a friend. He's not he's not my lover anymore. And you know, I'm 
I'm fine with that. I I like it, honestly. <laughs> I like I like being alone, honestly. You have a lot of things that you have realized that you have to work on too, right? Like so you've gotten through all that and you're just starting to find your identity, which requires a lot of work. Do you realize that a breakup won't break you down if you don't allow it, right? You've learned that you can ask for what you need, you can be more vulnerable, and you can trust yourself. So now it's just learning all the things that you didn't learn, like going to school is really hard because it requires like executive functioning skills, right? Yeah, I I was never I was never taught how to do school. Like my parents never sat down and read to me. They did not do homework with me. I am learning that stuff as a twenty two year old adult, which is stressful. Oh, that's like unbelievably overwhelming, but it's possible, and it's all it's all baby steps. And I know you've definitely helped me with it because I did not know. I didn't know how. I was not allowed to be a teenager and I was not allowed to be a child because I had, I had to, I had to grow up fast with, you know, my childhood. I wasn't allowed to be the age I was. And now it's all hitting me in the face. And now I'm like, Oh shoot. I don't know. I don't know how to do this because I was never taught like when I was 10 years old. I guess the idea is that recovery or growth recovery at some point, I think for you is kind of like just maintenance, really continuing to learn communication, to learn boundaries. Right. But what's happening now for you is growth because you have all these things that you have to like start to relearn about the world as this 22, like almost 23 year old woman, which is really stressful and also really awesome. Right. Oh yeah. Oh, I, I love it. Like it, it makes me, it makes me feel like such a, a bad, a bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it makes me feel amazing because I'm like, oh, living my life, and it's, I'm, I'm happy. I'm dealing with it now, and I'm not gonna be doing it when I'm older because trauma, trauma surfaces. It surfaces. Everybody has it, and everybody has to deal with it. And it's better to deal with it now and push it down and deal with it later. Absolutely. Absolutely. So can you talk about what are some things that you've learned about yourself? Like if you can describe your identity that you've you know developed or your moral compass, like what are things that you've become convicted in that you weren't before? Well, I for starters didn't even think I was beautiful. Like I, I was so insecure and thought I was just this ugly person, and now I, I have like, uh, oh, my self confidence. Like sometimes, sometimes I feel a little cocky. <laughs> like, oh, I'm so like, I, I just think I am. I, I don't know. I've, I've realized how beautiful and just strong I am. I didn't know that I. I, I was I was so caught up in my insecurities that I didn't have a good self identity, um, and my my moral compass has definitely helped. Like I, on my moral compass, I don't know if you want me to read it. Um, well, I have so I have, and I know you, you helped me. You helped me come up with it because I had no clue. Like 
do I want it to be at all? But I have uh, forgiveness, choosing that the person who was wronged you doesn't have to be punished for what they did. Because I, I struggled with that a lot. I held, I held things in and would bring them up all the time. Um, I'm learning self-discipline. I'm learning honesty. I'm learning to respect myself and to respect others because I, I did not respect myself at all. And I'm learning compassion and love and integrity, which has helped me become, you know, this loving person. Because now I go through, now I go through my everyday life, like thinking, oh, that person's beautiful. Oh, we're all, we're all just these beautiful people who have, you know, traumas that we have to deal with, and that's okay. Because everybody goes through things and everybody has things on their plate, but that doesn't stop us from being the strong, beautiful people that we are. Um, and I've, I've learned to like better my knowledge and to like expand my brain because I did not, I did not think I was a smart person at all. I did not believe in myself at all. And now, randomly, I'll just research things. <laughs> weird, weird things. And, and I'll bring them up in conversations, and people are like, what? Yeah. Well, okay. And I'm like, oh, yeah, fun fact. <laughs> so believing in yourself has led you to, well, first, overcoming hard stuff made you proud. Believing in yourself gave you some confidence and then the moral compass I think what I see is that your moral compass shapes your behavior because earlier you know we were talking before this you're like I'm you know I'm just that's not who I am I'm an honest person like I'm honest so if you're honest with me right I'll be honest with you and that kind of language wasn't that weren't things you would say before you know before you'd be like well yeah maybe I don't know or maybe I'll do that I don't know. <laughs> right yeah I know, I know I'm very like okay no I'm like and there was a point where you told me that I, I can't lie. Like I can't, I can't go through telling little white lies. And I was like, oh, true. Like that's true. I, I have to be honest. So no matter what, even if, even if I don't want to tell the truth, even if it's uncomfortable, I know I have to. Yeah. Because if I don't, then I go on and I avoid these triggers. Yeah. And avoiding triggers lead to worsening your mental health. Yeah. And it's definitely like with me, the two things I ask for is honesty and communication. Because if I don't have it, I know my, especially my BPD, I know I'll think of things because I think so much. We all do. Like we all just have these thoughts. And with honesty, it gets it cut to the point. And where you don't have the second guess, you don't have to make up these stories. Like when I, when I'm not struggling as much, I live in the moment and I live in just complete honesty and truth. And that's just how I am now. And it's wonderful because I was not like that at all. Yeah, it's incredible the growth that you have. And I think your story is impressive and inspiring for that reason. I mean, for a lot of reasons. One, like the when as we are telling it and as you like listen to you talking you start to see just all of the amazing things you've done and you did it alone without family you know I, yeah I helped you but you did it you know like I didn't make you get into school I didn't get you all A's 
you know, just crushing it, you know, all this stuff. I didn't draw the logo to help the community. Like, I didn't do those things. You did all those things. You stopped being tyrannical. You didn't give up. You know, you developed your moral compass. And to see that is just so inspirational because you are really young and all the stresses that you have now, like watching you, you know, have to navigate just normal life is really nice. I know it's not nice for you because <laughs> it's stressful, but to me, it's really nice because they're just things that you're that everyone goes through. So now you're working on more direct communication, good boundaries, and you're working on um, like just being disciplined with the stuff with school. Those things are just things that everybody could use growth work in. And so to have that as like the things that are left over, it's awesome. And I also see that you're problem solving. That's what I was thinking of, because you'll you'll have these issues and we work together with like, right, you know, it's not going to be the end of the world, but you also know it's stressing you out. So how can you kind of problem solve, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, there's, <laughs> there's times I've noticed I've like sent you paragraphs and paragraphs. I send it, I'll reread it and I'm like, OK, I'm sorry, my behavior. I, I, I know I was a little, I know I wasn't thinking right. I, I had the black and white thinking. <laughs> I'm like, oh, now I can actually like realize that my behaviors and my actions and how I am acting myself isn't appropriate. And I can change it before anyone else like notices. And it's, it, it has me in awe, honestly. So I'm like, what? Like, I am not the same person at all and I I don't understand it kind of yeah. like what what is it? like I look in the mirror and I'm like who is this person like now like now I recognize myself because before I didn't I had just really bad like insecurities and just views on myself that I had so much self-hatred for everything and I held on to just every little thing that I might have goofed up on and now I'll, I'll, I'll fall down the stairs and I'm like, okay, whoops. Instead of attacking myself, because that's, that's how I used to be. And it's, it's so, it's so wonderful. And oh, like, honestly, finding your podcast and working with you has saved me. Like it's, it saved me from myself. And I, Every, every, I, I think everybody should work on improving themselves at least a little bit because we all can, we all can use improvement. Even the gurus and everything, we all can better ourselves. trusting that I was telling you the truth and in the end it just worked out right yeah yeah I I always knew no matter what no matter what I'd say you'd always tell me the truth and we we need that we need the truth we cannot you cannot avoid it because the truth is going to come out no matter what Pretty big audience now, and I know that you're passionate about helping people. 
So <laughs> what's your advice to people with BPD or what are some like inspirational words for our community? Don't, don't stop trying to improve yourself. Like recovery is so difficult, but it's so worth it. The outcome is beautiful. It, I, I didn't feel joy until now. And I, I remember our session where you're like, you're not depressed anymore. You don't have depression. Like you're actually happy. And I was like, I was just bawling my eyes out for probably 30 minutes because I was like, whoa, I actually know joy. Like, I didn't think it was possible. And it is. No matter what you're going through, things are going to get better. It just takes hard work and the truth, and you'll get there. Awesome. And you are not your diagnosis. You're not your diagnosis. No, you're not. Oh, boy. No, you're not. You're not. You're not your BPD. You're not your OCD. You're not anything. You are yourself, and that's all. That's all you can be. You can. You're not your body. You're not anything besides who you think you are. What your identity is. What your character traits are. Right. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It's so awesome that you're on the podcast and that you're doing well. Um, and we just wanted to, our message today is that growth is never ending. So Alicia is here with us today. She's going to struggle because we are all going to struggle. I'm going to struggle. Everybody out there is because that's what life's about. It's struggling and getting to the other side and then developing that bravery and courage, you know, but for all this, the growth work that you have to do, it's just been awesome watching you grow. And I know that your story will help, you know, pave the way for other people who are your age and just hoping just, I don't know, for some hope to keep going. Yeah. And don't, don't stop. Yeah. Don't give up. Don't stop the growth. <laughs> mm -hmm. And don't be part of all of that stigma. Just know that, yeah, BPD is a real thing. That's what I wanted to say. Gosh, cause that's your best soapbox. BPD is a real thing and it's a real struggle, but you're not, you don't have to be one of those people who, spread the word that we're not going to ever get better and if people tell us we're tyrannical that we're victim blamers right yeah oh i i like my my fam my family still doesn't really believe bpd is a thing they just think i'm this you know, mentally ill person and um it's it, oh bpd is definitely it's a real thing and it's something that we can get through there is recovery when i first was looking into it I didn't read anything about there being a recovery I didn't read anything about there being hope or anything and then meeting you listening to the podcast and realizing that we are not our diagnosis we're not our depression we're not all this stuff helps because we we add to it ourselves like I admit I shared depression means and how oh like oh life sucks blah 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 blah. we can't do that we cannot do that because that's how our mindset's going to be and we add to the stigma we cannot add to the stigma because we have to prove that you know there is hope and there is recovery because oh boy there is so much hope <laughs> 
needed to let people know that even though our emotions feel so intense, they feel like third degree burns. You've read that, right? Like it's like people with PPD are like third degree burn victims. That's like something I've been reading a lot lately. And I'm like, okay, like they, yes, but people who don't have BPD aren't hyperbolic. So when you say things like that, you just kind of like negate everyone else's experience because they can't understand you. So, you know, I think the most important thing and I know that you agree with me, that's why I'm saying it on this episode, is that you understand that the way that you talk about BPD to neurotypical people will make or break the way that they view us as a community. So understand that, you know, BPD is a real thing, but growth and recovery is a lifelong thing for everyone. And you don't have to perpetuate like bad stigma, negative stigma. You can do like Alicia's doing. And, right? Yeah, like even, yeah, I have to, I have to watch how I talk about BPD myself because my roommates don't have it. Every, like everyone in my life, they, they don't have it. They don't, they're not hyperbolic. And so how I talk about it and how I act in my actions is how they perceive BPD. And I can, I cannot fall under the stigma and I cannot be this quote unquote crazy person because that's not, that's not BPD. That's that's not how it is. It's only a small little part of the struggle is the burn. There's, it is. Burn the, there's so much more to the struggle. So once we start changing the narrative, you know, then we'll be able to impact real change. So do you want people to know where your Instagram is so that they can yeah. find or your what are you? No, you were doing TikTok, right? Which is it? Well, I mostly do Instagram. I've been like not very well at TikTok, <laughs> but I've been doing TikTok a little bit too. But I'm more active on Instagram. What's your name? Where can people? Um, it's Alicia ninety eight A L E I S I A nine eight. Yeah, for both of them, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> awesome! Very cool. So I will put that in the show notes as well, and we'll just give. Yeah, just thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, thanks for listening. That was from Borderline and Beautiful, a production of Thrive Mind Body LLC online coaching that helps frustrated individuals, resentful couples, and disconnected families navigate through tough times. Visit us on the web at thriveonlinecounseling.com. If you like this show, remember, you can hear it on Anchor or Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts or any app that you use to listen to podcasts. Subscribe to get a new episode every Monday. If you want to get in touch, you can leave me a voice message. Some of you had some comments and questions from the last episodes, and I'd love to hear whatever questions you have, too. Just download the Anchor mobile app, search for From Borderline to Beautiful, and tap the message button to send me a voice message. We'll have all those links in the show description. Okay, we made it. Thanks again for listening. I'm Rose Skeeters, and I'll be back next week with another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. Talk to you then.